0: Welcome back to another episode of Somos Moss. My name, of course, is Seth Fidoff. Thank you guys so much for joining us here. If you're live on YouTube, we appreciate you watching. Joining me tonight on the show, as always, i Earl Nieto and Jacob Terrell. We've got some housekeeping to get through first before we get into the show. Uh, we've got, we're going to have a lot of content coming your way this week. If you're here live with us on YouTube tonight, you, you're obviously going to get this tonight. The New Mexico United portion of the podcast will, of course, go live Thursday afternoon at 4 p.m. Mountain Time. Uh, also this week on Wednesday, tomorrow, Wednesday afternoon, we will have uh, the full... So Jacob and I sat down last Sunday and we did an interview with Adam Davis from the Too Loud Adams podcast and Loudon Stampede to get to know this week's opponents, the Loudon United FC, a little bit better. So the full audio version of that is going to come out tomorrow afternoon. We'll have the video of that up later in the week. I believe I'm going to have that ready on Friday afternoon. And then we're going to have written content for United Saturday. We're going to have uh, post-match stuff that we're going to throw up live on the podcast feed late Saturday night after the match. we get got our instant reactions. And then I think we're going to have a written recap as well on Sunday, hopefully. Yeah. Jacob's smiling and nodding there. So uh, we should have a written recap on Sunday. So a lot of content coming your way this week, guys. Be sure to check all of that out. We're going to have it up on social. We'll have it on Facebook, Twitter, all that fun stuff. Um, Give it a look. Give it a listen. We'd love to hear from you, get your feedback. And you know that if you are here with us on YouTube every Tuesday night, that you can be part of the show. Tyler Ortega, big fan, uh, subscribed to the channel last week. He was part of the show uh, last week, and we got a lot of comments from him. Appreciate that. Aaron reader has been a huge part of the show, so shout out to those guys. Appreciate you guys so much for hanging out and being a part of the show with us. Uh, We've got a lot to get to tonight. Um, Big, big week in the USL. Big week for New Mexico United. Guys, I have one burning question for you this week. Now that we've been out to United, we've seen the guys out in person, we've seen the players on the pitch. With us entering a post-COVID world or nearing a a full re-entry, what are you looking forward to going forward.
1: <sighs> 15,000 fans. That's what I'm looking forward to. I'm looking forward to the entire stadium yelling almost like it was last weekend. Only times two.
2: Um, mine would probably be, I, I, and I don't know if it'll happen this year or not, but one thing that, struck me that first year was since I'd never been to a soccer game I didn't kind of understand the soccer culture was after that very first home match watching the players go around and give hugs and autographs and selfies to just about everybody that stayed and they did that every home match that first year and, and away matches you saw it a little bit in Colorado Springs um where they, they went to the, the traveling supporters there and and shook hands at least. So I, I really want to see that that parade around the stadium after a win where they're actually uh, kissing hands and shaking
1: babies.
0: <laughs> Hopefully not too hard on the shaking babies part.
1: <laughs> Hopefully in that yeah. exact order, too.
0: Yeah, yeah let's hope. Yeah. Um, you know, great, great, uh, great answers there guys, but I have to go, I'm going to have to go a little bit personal on mine and it's going to be, it's going to sound really selfish, but uh, you know, we've been out to United. We've seen things, things are opening back up. I've been a few places lately that have had signs up as if you're fully vaccinated, you don't have to wear a mask, uh, which I think is fantastic. I, of course, if I'm still in public, I'm going to be wearing one, you know, for the safety of my family and my kids and things like that. But um, for me, and it's, and it happened this past weekend, my son, my youngest son turned six, And for the first time, we were able to have an actual birthday party for him. Uh, We didn't get to do it last year. We got to have a bunch of his classmates um, and his teacher stopped by and some other stuff this past weekend. So I think that was just absolutely huge to see that many people, you know, hanging out together in one place, being able to celebrate and, um, you know, just enjoy, starting to enjoy life post-COVID again. So happy birthday to my son uh logan's six years old congratulations bud we survived covid you had a birthday party and uh, i'm really looking forward Ooh. to see what happens the rest of this year so so is so, a little, in the little chat. selfish there
1: <laughs> welcome back oh, aaron by back. the way yeah welcome back aaron Hi. we enjoy seeing you he wants to see more brucey bangers and i'm actually okay with that if it spoils jacob's uh predictions
2: I, hey, I'm okay with it, even if it does. I it it's fine. I, it it was a beautiful goal uh, by a beautiful player uh, to cap off a beautiful second half there. So um, I, I'm good with it. It's just I wish it wouldn't have given you bragging rights. That's all. <laughs>
0: So yeah, of course, Earl, and we'll get into this here in just a little bit. Earl did nail his prediction uh, from last from our last episode as far as what was going to happen up in Colorado Springs. So congratulations to Earl, Um, and Jacob will give us a hopefully give us an update here in just a little bit on our our show our show game uh, predicting the lineups every week. So we'll get that from Jacob here in just a few minutes. But uh, before we get into all that, there is a little bit of club news that came out here this week. Um, first thing is both Sam Hamilton. Congratulations to Sam Hamilton and Alex Tambakas. both were named to the USL championship team of the week this past week. Congrats to those guys. Fantastic performances from both of them. Alex did an absolutely tremendous job Saturday, uh, Saturday night up in uh, Colorado Springs Friday night. Friday night. Oh, you're right. Friday night. I kept forgetting that last week for some reason, a Friday night. Um, honestly, I felt like, he, Alex should have been in the starting 11. He was listed on, as on the bench, but still, you know, team of the week honors. We've been talking about how good Austin has been all season. Sam had a good showing, Alex had a great showing, and I think it's about time United get get uh, get the nod there. What do you guys think? Do you think it's overdue or do you think this is, you know, the right timing for that?
2: Wait, did am I am I misremembering or did we have somebody in the team of the week last week? I don't think we. Do. I'll, I'll look it up. Earl, you talk.
1: So, uh, like I promised on Sunday, I'm gonna go full Stephen A. Smith on you guys.
2: Oh, I forgot about this. Oh, so I'm so nervous. I'm still I've,
1: nervous. I've actually sat around, and if anyone from the club is listening, I am not trying to bash. I'm just trying to trying to be honest. <clears throat> And it kind of irked me a little bit more seeing Alex Tumbakis in the starting in the team of the week this week as well.
2: Oh, A. I love it, Stephen. At Ayer. what?
1: So, at what point do we get to see Phil? Because I know one thing: Phil has not given up a goal in 82 seconds. Hey,
0: okay, that's right. fair.
1: But okay.
2: Kind of Stephen A. Let's calm down, just one second, okay? That goal was not his fault. That goal, that was. Did you see the angle from the bay, from the touchline? That it like caught the post and bounced in. Like it was such precision, and he curled it around Timbacus. It was the back line just fell falling asleep. I see. I don't know who to blame that play on or if it's right to blame it on anybody, but Kalen and Yearwood were clearly not on the same page. Kalen jumped up to try to get him offside. Sorry, I have a dog whining. Um, Yearwood didn't see him, didn't know what the plan was, whatever. And then they both were like, instead of playing out the match or playing out the play, to play until the whistle. No, they, they stop. Both of them stop, raise their hand, say, hey, he was offside. Oh, no, he wasn't. Oh, crap. Okay, I'll get back. And so you're not, I'm not going to give, <laughs> I'm not going to give uh, as a, a demerit for that play when it was a great pass, a great run, poor defending by the back line, and a
1: like a, a centimeter perfect shot. So here's what bothers me. He gave up a goal in eighty-two seconds. Like I hadn't even got my coffee or whatever drink I was trying to get at the time. It was still I'm, making.
2: I'm I'm ninety-five percent sure Cody and Phil and Brucey or not Brucey uh Bowery and probably Ketterer give up that goal. Like it. it I understand what you're saying. and, so and trust me, trust me. I was. I was the biggest Phil guy when we signed Tambakis. I wanted Phil. At week one, I wanted Phil. I still still want to see Phil. I still want to see Phil, but I'm not going to want to see Phil so bad that I'm going to throw Tambakis under the bus for a play that isn't his fault.
1: So here's what also bothers me late in the game, Alex Tambakis takes a knock, visibly injured. Clearly hurt. You could tell he's hurt. He's wincing in pain. He stayed on the ground for God forever. Okay. Okay.
2: Now why? It's, it's it's a game that we're up by one with ten men, and and it's soccer. They milk the clock. They always have and always will. No matter who it is. Cody was the best at it. So you, I, I can't, I can't sit there and go, oh yeah, he's definitely hurt. When it's it it. It was pretty clear to me that we were just trying to, trying to see the game out.
1: So with that, do we see Phil with the knock that Alex Tumbakis took? Do we see Phil ever?
2: Unless it was a legit knock, then no. Like I don't, not well. Okay, let me rephrase that. You said ever at the end. I didn't. I I missed that part. So ever, yes, I think we will next week or this week against Loudon. Mm, probably not. Although it is Loudon, and sorry, Adam, if you're listening to this, but uh, uh, it's Loudon, so maybe because they're not very good, but at the same time, you just get bench nomin or bench mention for team of the week. I don't, I don't think you're. I think you, I don't think you're going to be on the bench for the next match after that.
1: So, yeah, what does a, a
0: pretty drastic downturn in Alex's performance like another eighty-two seconds? Point. Not even that, like that, that's going to happen. That's, that's football. There's not much you can do about it, you know, and we'll get, we'll get to, we'll show the highlights here when we get to our actual recap. But honestly, I put more of that on, on the defensive line than on Alex. Yeah. And credit to Haji Berry too. Like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not taking
1: away credit. I'm not taking credit away from Haji Berry. I mean, the guy almost scored four goals on us. I'm, I'm not taking that away from him. Uh, I'm taking the fact that, one, yeah, our back line kind of screwed up. Number two, Alex Tumbakis might have been on midfield because he was so far off his freaking line that he was practically sitting in my living room.
0: What in the world were you watching? He was not off of the line. At the, so,
1: that. by the way, I've turned off Alex, uh, Stephen A. Smith now. OK, Skip.
0: Let me on, another skip. Note,
1: <laughs> on
2: another note, Sergio Rivas was a bench member of the team of the week last week.
0: OK. I, knew I, I didn't wasn't going recall crazy. ever seeing anything about it, but I could have just missed
2: it. See, I never read the bench mentions on there, so I know that I had to have seen it on social media. Otherwise, I would have never seen it, so. We have got some some kudos out there from the league already, but we had not seen one in the first team, and and yeah, it is kind of like the only point that Stephen A. Earl said that I will give him credit for is it is kind of weird to see him on a team of the week, even if it's on the bench when he gave up a goal, didn't get a clean sheet. And I don't have the stats up in front of me yet, but I'm not a hundred percent sure how many saves he actually had. Like I know he had a credit with four or five. Really? So I don't even remember it being that bad, but they must, they must've been saves, but they must not have been of the, oh my goodness
0: variety. There were a couple that were pretty spectacular. I'll have to watch it again. Yeah.
1: But, so Just yeah, skip I mean, the first happens, eighty-two seconds. You know what happens there?
2: <laughs> no, because I love that play, and let me tell you why. It's because it shows that there's improvements that need to be made, and it is something that is right there on video that the coach can be like, "What happened here, guys? What are you doing? Let's let's uh let's." let's work on this and and fix it. So I I don't imagine
0: it'll ever happen again, or at least it won't happen this year. So Alex's stat line for Friday night, uh, four saves, one goal allowed, two clearances, three fouls, one, one aerial duel, one, three duels, one. So uh, good night for Alex. Um, And to, to what you said earlier, Jacob, yes, At the end of the match, you're up one in a match, or in a match where you're down to ten men, you're gonna. I mean, you waste time anyway when you even when you have eleven, but you're you're gonna waste a good deal more time. Um, And unless he, unless Alex has a serious knock from uh, one of those fouls, I just I don't see him coming out this week against Loudon. I I would love to see Phil. I'm a huge Phil fan. I mean, he's been here long enough. He looked good. He's looked good the times that we've seen him. You know, in the preseason and in the in the Cardiffs match last last year. But I just don't think at this point you can say, all right, Alex is gonna come out. I I just don't see it.
2: Yeah, and and honestly, I'm glad that we can't see it because the only way this was gonna that Phil was gonna get the chance is if Alex came in and was bad. And Mm -hmm. if Alex comes in and is bad, then that probably means we are not sitting where we're sitting in the table. And because of that, I'm okay with it. And I do think that it, you know, where we had the shortened season last year, but now we're back to 32 games. Well, I think it was 34 the year before that, but we're back into the thirties and matches. Now there's no open cup or anything like that going on. So it might not be as stretched thin, but it's still a long season that you will probably need to have somebody step in at goalie other than Tambakus and for us to be able to have that person be Phil is just fantastic to know that yeah okay well our starter is not in but this guy could be our starter from what we've seen so far anyways and we won't miss a beat in that match hopefully so i'm happy for it but i will say that i I'm a little bummed about Big Phil not being in there but speaking of people that I wanted to see in the starting lineup and hadn't until today or until Saturday Friday how about Brian Brown guys can can we give some kudos there uh, so for those of you that that didn't watch the match or aren't United fans for whatever reason you're watching this um, or listening to this later on uh, United did win three one uh, thanks to a beautiful goal from Sergio shortly after the Haji Berry goal that opened it up. And then right after halftime, Amondo with a redirect tap-in. I don't know. It was a it was a very, very nice goal off, a, off of a Brown assist. And then we mentioned it at the beginning a little bit. Brucie, in like the last two seconds... Uh, basically with just an absolute banger that I don't think it could have gone any more into the corner. Like it, it was perfectly, perfectly in the corner and, and that's how you get your scoring there. But Brian Brown with the assist on the second goal. And then what we like to call the hockey assists on, on the uh, first goal. And he, he had a, just some beautiful, a beautiful run to get the ball in the first place. And then he holds up, lays it off to a wide and <laughs> I, I say that it was a beautiful goal, but then I look at the defense and I go, What what are you guys doing? I don't understand what Colorado Springs was doing there. But anyways, gets it to Harry. Harry puts it in to the box and and it was just it was just beautiful. It was it was an is a great match oh oh and i forgot to mention that shortly after we took the lead Tenare picks up another yellow card and gets uh, an accumulation red card and is off for the rest of the match so we're playing with 10 men for 35 minutes i think 35 almost 40 yeah uh minutes?
0: 50 yeah uh he got red yeah the second yellow in the 54th minute so yeah 36 minutes well, not not stop much time, so basically forty forty three, forty four minutes uh, with ten men. And uh, yes, I'm aware. Uh, I'm aware, Earl, that Earl dropped somehow. Um, a question from Aaron Reader here in the chat, and we'll uh, we'll get Earl's take when he comes back um, during the short week. Jacob, could you see getting a start against the uh, Real Monarchs?
2: Yeah, I could see something like that. Like, uh, or there's another one. Um... the next next week. So we got Saturday the 12th and then we turn around and play Wednesday the 16th against San Antonio. That's a, a theoretically a tougher matchup, but um, but yeah, maybe we see him Friday in real Monarchs after or in, in Salt Lake after, after this weekend's match. So that's, that's a good call by Aaron there that I, uh, I hope that we see him then. And I hope that we can see him on, on some short weeks here every once in a while. And then, and then Aaron chimes in again right after that with uh, Brian Brown with several exclamation marks because me and him both I think have been calling for him to start a pretty good shift, but look to have le- look to leave with a hammy. Um, I don't, I don't recall that. Maybe I'm wrong, but I don't, I don't remember him coming off because of an injury. Am I? Did I miss something, Seth? Or do you know?
0: i um, thinking back he i think he might have like indicated something there but um it didn't appear to be too serious like he seemed to be moving okay prior to that i didn't really see any let up as far as his his movement or or pace so i don't know i have to go back and watch it again just to just take a take a look at that and we didn't we haven't heard anything from the club I mean, we typically don't. Yeah, that's,
2: that's the thing is you don't hear anything from the club most of the time.
0: <laughs> so, I mean, we may not know about Brian's status until you know, around 4.30, 5.30 uh, on Saturday. So uh, hopefully that's not the case. And as far as I know, other than Rosh, who we know is dealing with a quad injury towards the end of preseason. I know there's some, been some folks asking about Rosh on, on uh, Facebook. Um <laughs> Hopefully he gets sorted out. I know Peter had kind of indicated he will be coming back fairly soon, but you know, quad injuries, you just never know. Um, that's yeah. something that could get aggravated. Same with the hammy. Those things can get aggravated really easily and you don't want to rush the recovery time on that. You really don't. And Cause really the, the only way to, to recover from those is rest that that's yeah, really all there is. Off. Yeah, it's just time off. You can't rush it back. You know, if you feel you know if if they're out there in practice down at Mesa del Sol and or or even doing you know, strength training or conditioning at the at the, the training facility you feel a tweak, you feel a pull like you're going to shut them down. And because if you don't, you run the risk that you know guys could be out even longer. I mean, you look at other sports. Um, for example, like Julio Jones last year only played in nine games because he was doing with a hammy. And like Atlanta, I think they tried to manage it pretty well, but like he would come in after taking like two weeks off. He I remember remember like, he like he took two or three weeks off, came back, played one game, and like tweaked it just slightly. And he was out for another couple weeks. So you don't want to rush those muscle injuries, especially again, the hammy, the, the, the quad, you don't want to rush those back. Um, and so I just, again, I, just, uh, we both, we, we all hope that that's not the the issue with, with Brian. We didn't see anything. So, um, uh, last couple of bits of news to get through, then we'll get to your to the comments here in chat. Um, uh, an article out this morning on krqe.com, Peter Trevisani gave an update on the, potential of a soccer specific stadium and according to peter it looks like the results of the feasibility study are expected to be released in late june or early july and is sounding like rail yards is kind of like at the forefront of the potential locations here um, and peter goes on to say excitement was tremendous never seen anything close to that uh, talking about the new colorado Springs switchback stadium and that he goes on to say that he was looking to, for a stadium to fit 10 to 15,000 fans at a cost of anywhere from 50 to a hundred million. And if it goes outside of that hundred million dollar range, then it's probably outside of their budget. Now I know that the switchback stadium costs them somewhere in the neighborhood of, I think it was a 40, something around $40 million, 48. I, I think it was uh, 48. Oh, 50 million. According to this article here. Yeah. Um. So I, and, and I think that that's, quite a bit more than what we initially heard as an expectation in terms of cost. Um, So I really, I think that the the biggest things out of this article here are number one, feasibility study is going to be out sometime probably in the next 60 days, give or take. So we may know a site uh, by the end of the summer. We may even see construction start by the end of the year at this point from the way that this sounds. And, you know, I think this is exciting again. It's not a lot. It's not a huge deal. It's not saying, Oh, we found a location. We've got a, we've got a designer for the stadium or something like that, but it's, you know, it's progress. And it's something that I think fans have been wanting to see.
2: Yeah, for sure. I think that, uh, that when, when I came across that, was it yesterday morning? You said, I I think it was, uh, this morning. Was it this morning? Okay. Um, that that was probably the most interesting thing that I've in most interesting thing that I've seen um, in a while. Just because it was kind of unexpected, I didn't I didn't expect to see it, and I didn't expect to get any news on it for a while. But it uh, it definitely looks like it is going to be soon. Maybe not a year from now, soon, but you know, a couple years, three years, maybe. Uh, I think that there's a good chance that we're we're going to soccer matches in our own stadium probably right there off of Avenida Cesar Chavez and 2nd Street. So um, I'm excited for that for one. I, I think that's a great location. It's probably the best location that that I can think of or that I've heard thrown around. So yeah, I can't wait for a few days from now when we have the feasibility study and see see what they came up with there and and just fingers crossed that it goes the right way, and that we can can break ground on it soon enough, and and have something to look forward to. I, you know, I've, I was fortunate. I've been for we've been fortunate enough to be media for the last for the first three years of this league, and or for the first three years of this team, and and every time we go up to the media center or media area for the press box there at Isthmus Park, it's it's awesome to be able to do that. But you get up there and you're in you're looking at it from a weird angle cause you're at the corner over there and, and, uh, and then there's just United or isotope stuff everywhere. And, and I've said it since day one that I can't wait to be walking up the stairs to the press box at the new United stadium and, and have it be pictures of dev after the first goal in history and, and pictures of, of Kalen and, and Suggs and his son and, and, uh, and this just feels like yet another positive step towards it. So, so yeah, I, as far as not being or as far as stuff not on the pitch, that is has been my favorite thing so far. I just rewatched the clip where Brian Brown comes off, and it doesn't look to be injury related. Uh, I think uh, Black Donnie has it right in the chat over here that it is. Uh, he he just came off for for a defensive mid situation there to shore up the defense and try to see the game out for the last thirty minutes. Um, so I just wanted to touch on that real quick since I just uh, just watched it again.
0: Yeah, again, it just yeah, I didn't really see anything. So I was kind of I couldn't you know, it's hard to really think of anything. But with an injury like that, you know, you'll typically see the player, you know, react a certain way. You'll see them, you know, slow down, kind of like indicating towards the bench or go down um, or go down, especially yeah. in
2: that situation where we're up, a up a goal down to 10 men. Uh, he's going to I would think if he was injured, he would go down. And yeah. and soak up some clock there. So so Aaron, I like you, but I hope you're wrong here.
0: <laughs> All right. And last bit of news, uh if you have not done so already, go over to uslchampionship.com look for the goal of the week contenders and throw a vote to Daniel Bruce. Uh Bruce, he is currently sitting at sixty two percent of the vote um so i'm sure we'll get accused new mexico united fans will get accused of stuffing the ballot box once again uh over on reddit and across social media but um i think brucey had a fantastic goal i voted for him obviously uh santi you know we all know jacob didn't because yeah. it killed his his prediction
2: that's not the case earl
0: <laughs> but uh and let's, hopefully let's... jacob's not too salty about that so
2: no, I'm fine. Let's let's set the record straight though, Earl. Okay. You you predicted that Moreno and Rivas would score. You were correct. You predicted a third goal coming from somebody. I think you said Swartz and Tenari, I think were your two options there. And you weren't necessarily right about that. But you were actually but you were you, you did you did I mean you technically were right because Brucey came on for Swartz. So we'll I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you. I'm not arguing that. But what I will say is that even a blind squirrel finds a nut every once in a while. So, so kudos to you and your 3-1 scoreline. And even if it did take a last-second banger from Brucie, uh, you got it right. So I'll, I will, I'll give you this last week.
0: Broken watches right twice a day, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Although I will give him... So so you mentioned it earlier, Seth. So we're doing this little lineup prediction game that um, I, I think this week I'm going to open it up. I'm going to post something uh, in the next couple of days, and I want fans to send me theirs. Um, and, and whoever's closest out of the fans, I'll give them a, a $10 gift card to to somewhere. Um, your guys' choice. Who The winner's choice. Um but as far as the three of us go and the running standings now now let's look at this i think i think earl has an insider here somewhere because matchup week 1 uh, seth 16 jacob 17 earl 9 week 2 17 for seth 13 for me 10 for earl and then and then all of a sudden Earl Earl uh, Earl jumps from 9 and 10 to 19 and then to 22. So Earl. Who are you talking to? Who's your in? Is it Brandon? Who? Who is it? Who the hell is it? Who the hell is Brandon? Brandon Morris, the coach. The coach that we worked with the last Saturday or the two Saturdays ago. Oh.
1: Look look we can't we can't talk about this. With next next topic. Yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> that's what I thought. No, no I, but I really don't so I really don't have an end.
2: He just I
1: somehow I somehow magically decided that. Like it was well, a really lucky guess.
2: Well to be fair, your first two weeks you were coming up with formations out of nowhere and apparently just wasn't paying attention to to what we were actually doing on the pitch so then you start paying attention and all of a sudden I because I I think the first two weeks I got your I got your lineup like an hour before they were announced if not less and then the next two all of a sudden I'm getting them like Friday night Saturday morning and I'm like huh all right you're actually paying attention by the way
1: kudos to you kudos to you check your you got to check your email by tomorrow morning
2: you're already sending one all right I'm not gonna mess with your your streak here. You've been the highest point getter the last two weeks, and you're still down by seven. So um, we'll roll with it, I guess. <laughs> but yeah, it, we'll but see. so so to to be fair here, to finish it up, um, week four, both all three of us were right there. I had. The right players just in wrong positions. Earl had the right players with only like one wrong position or two. I think I had like four in wrong positions in, or three. And Earl only had one. So so Earl was the highest scorer with 22 out of a possible 23. So he almost nailed it. And then me and Seth both had 20, even though I had the right names just in the wrong formation. And Seth had one wrong name, but everything else was good. So, So we're starting to figure it out. At least we're we're we think we're starting to figure it out, but I have a question for you guys. Um, what's the first curveball that coach throws at us? Is it this week? And and if so, what is it? Is it is it Illich starting for somebody? Is it Schmidt starting for Ryden? Like, what's going to be the curveball and when is it coming?
0: I think this week is a good call against Loudon. I think we do see something. Um, I don't know that I would necessarily say Schmidt over Ryden. I think we're gonna see Caitlin play every single minute again this season, unless he's hurt. Mm-hmm. I just I'll think agree. he's. I think I just think he's too good to not have him in there, even against a club like Loudon. You know, you don't want to. You don't want to weaken your back line. Um, really at any point but i i definitely think he's he's a step above justin um i think we could see Elio start this week unless there's some sort of injury or something that we don't know about i think we could see i think we could see him this week
1: you see i don't know and i'm not gonna even pretend like i know because i don't know soccer at all um so I really don't know. But looking at ESPN, I do know that they screwed up and didn't spell Alex Tambakis' name right.
2: Yeah, I don't know why you use ESPN for USL news. It's the worst. It's the yeah, absolute e- worst.
1: ESPN's awful. Uh, oh, I was just looking at like the stats and whatnot.
0: I mean, granted, the USL championship broadcast can't even get shit right half the time. So, you know, why would we expect ESPN, who doesn't even cover the USL championship, uh Black Donnie's got a shout there. Uh Touche gets in.
2: You know, I wouldn't mind saying Touche. You know, we haven't seen him at all this year, really. Um I, I think he's he's gonna be a pretty talented player just coming in as a rookie. So so yeah, why not get him some run? Um maybe maybe he comes in for Hamilton or Yearwood and and see how he does or we switch formations altogether. I don't know if we'll switch formations. I think this 3-5-2 if that's what you want to call it, it's kind of fluid there when we get going. Um but I think that formation is suiting us well. So so my question was to with Touche from the beginning was how he fits in wh- who he's who he's going to be a backup for and where we see him. So um so Donnie since you mentioned it, uh if you if you're still there, go ahead and tell us who he comes in for and what position he plays. But but uh, I, I definitely would love to see that. I could see um, I could see Tush coming in. I could see Schmidt for one of the other uh, center backs back there, uh, not Ryden like you said, but somebody else. Um, Illich maybe for Mondo. Give Mondo a little bit of a rest. But for the most part, if everybody's healthy you know our 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 schedule's not too bad you know we had a friday game so we have a little bit of an extra long week this week we do have a friday match the week after on june 4th but for the most part saturday to friday isn't going to be a huge deal breaker so maybe he just rides it until wednesday against san antonio on the 16th maybe he just says no we're in a groove i'm not going to mess with the groove and and he just leaves the same basic starters that we've seen in there
0: if anything, I would think Touche in for uh, for Sam because I, I think Austin Austin's been playing too good. Um, he hasn't shown any real signs of like breaking down, um, no si- signs of in- injury or anything like that. Um, and his his performances have just been out of this world. So I don't see. Yeah, I, I like I said, Sam for Touche would be yeah. my guess.
2: Donnie agrees with you in the chat. I I was I'm curious to see if. He would sit Hamilton after a team of the week honor, um, but who knows? That's we've talked about it ad nauseum this year. Is you know, uh, we're we're just so deep.
0: Well, that's a shot too there, Aaron. Uh, seeing JPG getting rest—that's I'm sure Earl would love that. But but with but with Tanari being out with a red card, that's true. I I don't think it happens. I mean. If you did sit him, I mean, if you if you did sit Juan Pablo this week with, with Nari already being out, uh, maybe an Azira, I,
2: Azira Chilo? Martinez Rivas,
0: yeah, something uh, like that.
2: I think I think you could see that. To me, Azira and Guzman are like one for one uh, so far from what I've seen. Um, they they're very similar players. They're defensive minded midfielders. They. Uh, they they control the ball they they make good crisp passes uh, aside from that first match where we saw them play together um and i think that first match where we saw them play together is where i look at it and go i can't see these two on the pitch at the same time again like it's it's got to be one or the other it can't be both unless it's a situation like saturday or friday night where we're down to 10 minutes and we're seeing out a game um or we're up by three or four goals uh if it's if it's a starting lineup, I don't think you see Guzman and Azira in there. So so Azira for Guzman and then Tanari being replaced by Cello, I could see that.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's possibilities there. It's going to be interesting to see exactly what happens going forward, what kind of decision Troy makes uh, with the red card. Um, and, and we can talk about that too whether or not that was warranted here in just a few minutes. Um, yes. But just uh, just real quick, after match week five in the USL championship, uh, we'll have a we we'll give you a quick update here in the standings. Uh, Mountain Division, RGV still sits atop the Mountain Division. Uh, three wins, one loss on the season. They did lose this past weekend to uh, El Paso Locomotive. Boom. San Antonio sent second on seven points. They are coming off of a win over uh, Birmingham Legion. New Mexico United, of course, sit third. Uh, actually, we're, we're basically we're dead tied for a San, second. Yeah, we're we're yeah. dead even with San Antonio on points and goal differential. And then yeah, so- El Paso currently sits in that final, uh, final playoff spot like, again. Five weeks in, but again, El Paso has only played two matches at this point, mm-hmm. and they did win their last match. Uh, we just mentioned against RGV. And then bringing up the rear, you have Colorado Springs, Real Monarchs, and Austin Bold. Again, Bold again, another club that's only played two matches so far. Um, so yeah, it's that's where we stand in the mountain division. Long, long way to go. 28 more matches left to go for many of the clubs, 28 to 30 matches left to play. And so, I mean, let's let's get we've been talking about it throughout the, the first half of the show so far. Uh we're gonna switch on over to our highlights. There we go. And uh, as you can see behind us, the highlights from this past weekend's match against Colorado Springs. And as you can see right now behind us, it's that here and just like it's going to be that goal um, right here for Haji Barry. mean Barry, yeah, you can see Kalen try to sneak up on him there but it looks like he got played on um, by Austin or just barely by Kalen. And Barry's just got so much pace. We talked about him ahead of the match. We knew that he was going to be difficult to contain. Um, And again, I just, I don't, I I don't put this on Alex at all. And I don't know that you can.
2: Stephen A. Earl is gone. We're not going back there. (laughs) We're not bringing that up again. What I will say is, it, we talked about it before the match. Haji Berry is is someone that is going to be a nightmare for everybody that he plays, including us, three more times this year. Um, and I'm I'm slightly nervous about that. But we did do a good job at riding the ship after that goal, and and containing him, and and for the most part, containing. We, we talked about Tembak's stats a little bit. He had more saves than I than I thought he did, but um, it was a A good defensive game plan, especially when we went down to 10 men. I really thought before the red card that we were about to just run away with it. Um, I don't know how you guys felt, but we scored that goal. Uh, We kind of controlled the beginning of the second half, which is rare for us in the first place. Um, And and you could just see the guys gaining confidence as time went on there. And then right after the goal, which... uh, you guys have already seen, but I'm watching now because I'm a little delayed. But uh, we we had uh, just a dumb a dumb decision by Tanari who got a yellow for another dumb decision right at the end of the first half, and um, it, it just killed all the momentum that I thought we were going to have. Now we ended up winning uh, winning three two or three one still, but I, I think this could have been three or four one. Shortly after that play, I, I think we could have piled on. And it's easy for me to say that because we'll never know. But that, that was just the feeling that I was getting was we were finally finding our groove and we were going to really turn things around. And then next thing I know, Tenari's getting sent off.
0: Yeah, I don't think I disagree with you there. Coming out of the second half or coming out of halftime, we definitely looked better. We, we we had better ball movement. We had better movement off the ball. We were definitely making runs and putting more pressure on Colorado Springs. And I definitely feel like we we didn't handle their press very well at all in the first half. And something just switched after after the second half after second half started, and we just seemed to be getting it a little bit better. Um, you look at the run of play and everything that happened there you know we we you talk about the the second goal from uh from Moreno and it was a great pass from Brian uh getting down towards the left byline there and then passing it back towards the middle and he
2: just, and just bodied just, the, the dude too like, yeah it was the definition of of hold up play there
0: it was awesome yeah Brian and and uh Amando did a fantastic job of setting that goal up and getting it in but yeah i think the I think the red card to Tenari kind of killed that momentum a little bit and, and for a while. And you could see, like, we were trying to play sort of like a conservative counterattack after that. I mean, you obviously have to make changes after a red card. But, yeah, it just, we looked so much better up until that point. And you thought that we were going to really pull away.
2: Yeah, and then they had a spell there after we went down to 10 min. Well, first of all. You might have answered, Seth, and I just missed it, but were the red, were the two yellows warranted?
0: Uh, I don't remember the first one off the top so of the, my head.
2: The first one, there's a foul around midfield, uh, nothing major, and the ball kind of squirts away, and Tanari just boots it.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Basically into the stands behind the goal.
0: Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, so I think he awarded it for a time-wasting or something like that. Essentially. Just- yeah a stupid thing like we we've seen it we've seen yellows given for that um in other matches and so the f- when i saw as soon as i saw him doing like oh that's just the dumbest thing in the world why would you do that like there's no reason for that um i think the ref did sort of overreact but it it hasn't been un- an uncommon thing for that to be for that to happen uh for that for the caution to be given there um, the second one, he tried, look, like he tried to make a tactical foul. Um, the, the play, I think it was Torres. He took down, um, had the run on him, was getting past him. And so you often see midfielders do something like that, make a tug on the Jersey, pull the guy down as a tactical foul to slow down, slow down play so that, so that they can get reset. But to do that while on a yellow already, is just dumb. It's just, dumb. I, initially I thought that, jpg was going to get a yellow there but uh went went to went to Tenare, so so a
1: couple things on that um number one uh i would have loved to see jpg get the yellow instead um
2: but he didn't pull the guy just down.
1: because just because jpg was not a yellow yet um number two i completely don't agree with that second yellow Um, so gravity is a real thing. So if I tug on your shirt while you're running (laughs) forward, you're probably going to slow down and fall backwards. Instead, the guy dove four feet forward. So I don't think that second card was on Andrew T'Nori. I think it was more of a dive.
2: He, he, he got beat and he pulled the jersey. That's, that's going to be a yellow card nine times out of ten. And the only, the only argument I will hear about either of his yellow cards is that the first one, when he boots the ball, he does it just a fraction of a second after the whistle. So it could be deemed possible that he was going to kick that ball and try to play somebody on. But the whistle came and he didn't stop, stop his decision to kick. it. I don't think that's the case, but that's the only argument that I see that holds any water is that that was what was going on. And as far as the second one is concerned, like I said, you pull a guy down from behind, even if it's kind of soft, it's, it's going to be a yellow more often than not. And, and also, I'm just kind of tired of complaining about USL refs. Like, I get it. They're not the best. Um, neither are MLS refs. Neither are Premier League refs. They might be the best, but they're still, they're still not perfect. And so, as you go lower down the ranks in soccer, especially in a country like America, where soccer is already, what, the third or fourth most popular sport? fourth or fifth most popular sport. And then you have referees like have have has anybody ever refereed anything? It sucks. I've refereed little league basketball games and you get yelled at all the time and you're just trying your best. So I'm kind of just over this whole USL pro referees suck uh, kind of agenda that's being pushed by a lot of fans because i get it yeah there are calls that i don't like but um yeah just get over it expect it. it it's going to happen and yes i understand the whole the squeaky wheel gets the grease so you you complain and that's supposed to make it better but it's just annoying man it's just annoying as hell sometimes
0: I get what you're saying, and I completely understand where you're coming from. You know, being an Atlanta sports fan, you know, I, I understand bad calls. You know, I, I get that. It's just you have to look at what the players are doing. You have to look at the calls that are being made. And I I yes, there's some stuff that's just absolutely ridiculous. But you, you have to as a referee, you have to, you have to make that decision. You have to say, okay, there's a, there's a limit here. Like, and I, and I see what you're saying about Tanari on that first yellow. Maybe he was trying to, okay. You could argue that if the ball had stayed in play. Yeah. But but instead, I don't agree with it.
2: I'm just saying that you could maybe look at it like that, but no, they were both yellow
0: cards and that's that. I don't know what to tell you guys. Yeah, no, they're they're legit yellows. I mean, you you cannot pull someone down like that, even if it looks like a, a like a flop. I mean, it, it looked like it, he clearly got the back of the jersey. He clearly had his his hand and his elbow, his arm in the player's back. He clearly had that. Now, as far as how he falls, you know, it, physics are weird, gravity's weird, <laughs> but you know, you fall back if someone knocks you off balance from behind while you're running, are you, are you going to fall back or are you more likely to fall forward? So like right there, even though he grabs him, like he's, he's, le- he is leaning forward. He, his momentum's going forward. He's not necessarily going to fall back, you know? So yeah, but either way it's a ta- it was a tactical foul by him. A poor decision already being on a yellow is nine times out of 10. That right there is going to be called a foul. You're going to get a, a yellow for that. And so it was just a, a bad decision or oh, bad timing I should say. If he hadn't been on the first yellow, then that's perfectly fine. That's a tactical foul. He'll take the yellow and live to see another day. But just it's just a bad bad decision, bad timing by him. That's all there was to it. Agreed. Agreed. And
2: and, and I think my biggest problem is when they complain about when people complain about the refs and I don't think the refs did that bad of a job. Case in point was this match. Like I saw a lot of people bitching about the red card to Tanari. And I'm like, "Mm, no, man, I'm pretty sure that's pretty sure they're both yellows, like pretty much all day. They're going to be yellows. So um, but it doesn't matter. And and part of what I loved about this match was that, you know, you go down to 10 men and you think, man, this is going to be tough. It's going to be tough to hang on. But the guys just came together. There was a shaky run, like from 60 to 70 minutes maybe uh, in the match. They they had a lot of pressure. That's, I think, when he, he made at least two saves in that one stretch. But then, right before that, right when we first went down to 10 minutes, and then after that, I felt like even though we were the team down a man, we were... We weren't threatening, but we were in control, and and you look at the comments that were made by coach and players after the match that it was just a a, a real tough moment, and they had to really come together, and they did, and you see them go down ten men for thirty five minutes, and still come away with the point three points and get a goal at the end to tack it on or to, to add it on. And, and I think it just really galvanized the team even more so. And so I could see them, you know, we talked to, I already talked about it last week. You know, we had Austin. We won switchbacks Loudoun, Monarchs Austin again on pride night on June 12th. I could see those five games being three points each for us. and, and you know the the way this one started, and then going down to ten man I was a little worried. But to come away with three points, I just think we ride that we can ride ride that momentum and grow off of that so much. And and if I'm Loudon, I'm not looking forward to Saturday night.
0: Yeah, that's that's gonna be tough for Loudon. And you know we are looking good right now. We we really are. Um, our we've been better in the final third. Our finishing has been better. Um, and yeah, showing that defensive tenacity Saturday night, um, during, you know, again, being down to men, I think that's, that's big for us going forward. And while you, you know, you said that we weren't, um, we weren't necessarily, you know, pressuring or, or, uh, or pushing forward, but we were in control. I, I kind of saw it a little bit differently. Um, we were playing well defensively, but, when we did gain possession back, we didn't do a very good job of running down as much clock as we could have. At times, you've got to be a little bit more decisive, a little bit more. Um, I'm trying to think of the right word here. Uh, you're trying. You, you want to be a little bit more precise in, in your in your movements, and your timing, and your passing. And there were instances where we just gave the ball back when we could have you know you know rode some more clock or some more time off the clock. And so I think that's someplace that we do need to improve on, but I you know I can't fault the guys for playing the way they did and then you know of course Brucey's final goal. Yeah, Colorado was so far out of position. I mean, you could, they were pressing for that goal. They were trying to find that equalizer and that just leaving they had nobody on the on the left side of that pitch if you see um we see the highlight here in just a minute and you see Brucey just full on sprinting down the field and just nobody between him and the goal you know and there was there were so many things that could have gone wrong with that shot but brucey's placement was absolutely fantastic uh putting that ball you know in the upper 90 uh, there's no way that um, the, the switchbacks keeper was going to get to that. And you could see Brucey's thought process and you could see what everyone else was thinking, too. Like you saw the keeper come out and try to make himself big. And, you know, you could kind of see him anticipating the, the ball to go to the far corner. Um, but yeah, great decision by Brucey and that just punctuated the win. And I saw someone comment over on, a uh, on Reddit saying it was sure was nice of Colorado to uh, bring the fireworks for our, for our win. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, a lot of, there's a lot of good things to take away from this match. Um, but that, that's kind of how I felt about it. I mean, we weren't say in control, but I felt like we were so, controlling the situation.
2: So I, I, I think I, I mean, I agree that we could have done a better job wasting some time, but aside from that little maybe like eight minute stretch where Colorado had like sustained pressure, I just, that's not to say my stomach wasn't in my throat the whole time in the second half, but there wasn't a moment where I was like, Ooh, Ooh, Oh, we're going to lose. We're going to lose, or we're going to, we're going to lose the lead. We're going to lose the lead. I, I didn't, I didn't feel that after like the 70th minute, which surprised me. Um, I did see a lot of people give Devin like tremendous credit for the pass. And, and I think the hold up play was brilliant and the vision was good. <laughs> to me, the pass was about as easy as a pass as you can make for an assist. I mean, there was nobody in front of him. You just literally had to put it out for, for Brucey to go get. And Brucey does a good job. And I could have swore he was going to go low and away. That was. That was what was going through my head. And then he just rips it just near post top corner and puts it in, in a basket right there. It was just a brilliant goal. And, and with him scoring, you know, he he only, I'm almost positive. He only has three goals for us. He has like a tap in and then two bangers. Um,
0: but Aaron asked in the chat, right. Um, yeah, and that was Brucey's first goal since uh, August of 2019.
2: Yeah, when he, I, I think that was the banger against uh, Sacramento that just was incredible. And then I think he scored once at home on a tap-in um, in, in that first year. But um, Aaron, Aaron asks in the chat after this game, who do you think our breakout goal scorer is going to be? Uh, knock on wood. Uh, Earl, I, I saw you answer in the chat, but... Go ahead and, and tell the people what you said and
1: why you said it. So for those of you not watching on YouTube, um, I I think Sergio continues. I think he, he keeps on scoring. He has two goals in the past two games. Um, granted, this last goal was a line drive clear shot, um, but that doesn't take anything away from it. Uh, i do see him by the end of the season looking that far down the line um obviously health holding up obviously um I definitely could see sergio having 10 to 15 goals
2: yeah that that first touch by sergio on that goal was like as soon as you saw that first touch you're like oh he's gonna score it's it's going to be a goal. Like, it was the perfect first touch for that situation. And and I could see him scoring a few more. I, if you come out, if you say breakout goal scorer, um, I kind of go through a few different mean things there. Like, if, if you're asking me who's going to lead the team at the end of the year, I still think it's Brian Brown. Um, had you asked me that two matches ago, maybe I don't think that, but I know he didn't score in this match, but we saw him score at home against Austin. You see him be involved. You see him get the start. You see him producing the start, which I think leads to more chances for him. And, and I think by the end of the year, you're looking at Bruce at, or not, Bruce? sorry, you're looking at Brian Brown as like uh Kavon freighter type, you know, up there for the golden boot, but not quite, um, and, and leading the team or, and the, the tricky thing about this is that there's like five guys I could see leading this team in goals. And then there's like five guys that I could see with 15 goals this season or more, but I'm going to stick with my preseason selection. Cause I think it's too early to really change from that. And, and I'm liking what I'm seeing from Brian Brown and I'm going to stick with Brian Brown, but, but I agree that Rebus could definitely get a few more. And if Brucey keeps getting playing time in this position that he's playing and the way that him and Swartz are just bombing up those sides. Um, I could see him get a few more as well.
1: I'm going to imitate what you just said, because all preseason long, all off season during every signing, my statement was coach Troy sold his soul to the devil to score goals. And that's exactly what he's getting. He has every opportunity to score a goal, whether it's from Brucey, whether it's from Brian Brown, whether it's Sergio Rivas or Armando. I mean, he can score goals from wherever he wants.
0: Yeah, you guys have got a lot of good aims out there. And um, I think that, I think there's a possibility, you know, like you said, there's a lot of different guys that could. Someone that I think could be, and we haven't really seen him. Um, breakout yet here in the regular season is cello cello had three great goals in the preseason. And, uh, I think that given enough opportunity, I think he could, uh, he, he could be up there, you know, so maybe that, 10, 12 goals.
2: And the thing I have with cello is that I, I feel like the first goal he scored in the preseason where he was right there in front of the net. And I believe it was, Swartz put in a cross that he he knocked home I feel like that was more fluky I I think that uh, we'll see him score some on free kicks and we'll see him uh, with the occasional bomb like the uh, the one against Colorado Springs I think it was Um, and and because of that I think that his opportunities will be limited even if his playing time is is out there or is up there sorry
0: yeah a lot of different ways it could go uh you know it, it's all going to come down to who troy puts in the who troy puts in the 11 and, and the 18 and and just how the run of matches go i think as long as we see performances like we have the last couple of weeks where we have you know multiple goals scored um, you're gonna see guys getting up there with the goal totals, and I think is that there's a very real possibility that we could see um, the we could see a, a member of United get the Golden Boot this year.
2: Yeah, I will agree that uh, we could. The only thing that, like I said, the only thing that that kind of takes away from that is is the fact that we don't have that one at the moment anyways we haven't seen that one guy stand out as the goal scorer for New Mexico United and and maybe that starts to starts to be shown but at the moment with how spread out it is I I think the goals are just gonna be here, here, here and here and not just with one person and that's gonna hurt us hurt hurt somebody from our team getting a golden boot.
1: See, I love it because um, right now, as it's going, Mondo and Sergio are playing this game of anything you can do, I can do better. Sergio scores a a goal, Mondo has to score one. Uh, Vice versa, if Mondo scores a goal, Sergio has to top it with another one. I mean, last week at home, we saw Sergio score on a header. The next goal was Mondo score on a header. I mean, it's... It's kind of entertaining. I like it. The fact that anything you can do, I can do better. So I'm hoping that translates into a united chase for a golden boot.
0: Yeah. Again, we keep saying long season is going to be a lot to watch, a lot to see here coming up in the next few weeks and months as the season continues to progress. And I think that's going to just about wrap up our Colorado Springs switchbacks uh, recap Uh, we are running long of course and uh, I think we should go ahead and switch on over to our preview of Loudoun United coming up Saturday night out at the lab Uh, we are as far as I know the three of us are all going to be there again Um, we will be doing something live after the match as we mentioned earlier and uh, you mentioned at the top of the show, we we do have an interview that Jacob and I did with Adam Davis from Too Loud Adams and Loud and Stampede that will be hitting your podcast feed on Wednesday afternoon at four o'clock. So check that out. Um, Adam, of course, is the VP uh, of Communications for Loud and Stampede and one of the hosts of the Too Loud Adams podcast. Um, he sat down and gave us some insights on who to be, who should be, who we should be watching for. Uh, from Loudon. And one of the names that we talked about was, uh, of course, Sammy Sergi, uh former New Mexico United player. As we know, he spent most of last season out with a, uh, with a, with a medical condition and didn't actually get to play, but he appears to be doing better. Uh, he did get his first goal of the season for uh, Loudon last week, last weekend. Uh, Loudon, of course, is coming off of two consecutive 2-1 losses to uh, Miami FC and New York Red Bulls 2. And another name that Adam gave us, Jacob, was um, Mustafa, um, a guy that they brought in in the offseason. Um, have you had a chance to go back and watch either of their first two matches um, to see uh, anything outside of what Adam told us?
2: I watched uh, a decent portion of their last match against Red Bulls 2, Red Bulls, Red Bulls 2, and uh, I they just don't look good. Um, nobody stuck out uh, in a positive way. I was happy to see Sergei get on the board, but uh, even after that, they just kind of looked uh, not that great. So I, I, I trust... Adam and and his opinions there. Uh, I think they're just kind of going through a rough time there. You know, they had a a, a fan getting some trouble um, for some stuff that that shouldn't have been done. So, I think there's just a lot of a lot of things going on around that club right now that they're they're trying to work out. And and we talked to Adam about how it is a you know we experience the USL through the prism of being a united fan and that is a completely different prism than what adam sees when he's talking about there's like maybe a hundred people that really follow the club closely and follow the off season moves and and maybe about a 500 or so that are that are into it during the season and stuff and you know we've got thousands um that follow it closely and thousands upon thousands that follow it closely during the season and you know they, he said that they had sold out their their stadium for the first match. I think in 2019 at 5,000 people, and it hasn't come close since. And we're over here doing 8,400 or 647 uh, for a COVID match, basically. So um, we experienced the thing, the league, through two very different eyes. Uh, when it comes to Adam and us, and and we talked about that quite a bit in the podcast, and how you know at the end we we had him kind of turn it around and ask us some questions about who to watch out for, and then just kind of what it's like to be a New Mexico United fan and supporter and media, and and so I I, I think that Loudon, good things can come to Loudon eventually. Uh, I'm just not sure it's this season. And I and I definitely don't think it's this match.
0: Earl, have you taken any time out of your out of your busy schedule to take a look at Loudon? And um, is there anything that you are looking to see either from us or them this weekend?
1: So no, I haven't had any time to take a look at any other team. I did watch a little bit of Pittsburgh Riverhounds on Saturday, um, but then it pretty much intersected with United playing, so I said and eh, I'm out um so no during my busy schedule i have not had time to um i might have time tomorrow
0: all right let me ask you this now what sort of reaction do you think uh sammy gets when he returns to the lab do you think he gets uh, you think he's welcomed back or do you think uh united fans just kind of look at him and say all right well you're not with us anymore so
1: i think we just overlook him really um As fans, we overlook him. I don't think we really boo him. I don't think we really cheer him. I think he kind of gets like a neutral, a neutral welcome. And if he scores on us, then yeah, he'll get booed definitely. But I don't think he gets like a popping ovation or popping or overwhelming. I don't know. I
2: think I disagree there. I think uh, his preseason last year won over a lot of guys or won over a lot of fans and. And then when he came out at the end of the season and and had the medical condition that he couldn't play and everybody was like, Oh, that's why that sucks, man. I appreciate you. So, um, I think if he starts, which he started for them, both matches so far, I think, uh, if he does start, he will get a, a small ovation. I'm not going to say it's like blowing the roof off of the place, but, but I think he gets an ovation when he starts. And if he scores, I think, I don't think he celebrates. Um, and I, and I think the fans don't boo him, but don't cheer for him either. If that makes sense,
0: yeah, I can see that. You know, Sammy was someone that we, you know, when he came in, we all had high hopes for him. We all thought he was going to be a, a top-notch signing that he was going to come in, score some goals for us. You know, potentially spell Dev or Amando up top, and it just didn't pan out. And that's no—that's no fault of his. And you can't plan for someone to have a medical condition to where they basically can't play. Uh, you know, it was. I read an article where he said that basically he he basically just couldn't breathe, you know? Um, and so he spent a lot of time rehabbing and doing things like that. And so he's finally back at a, at a point where he can contribute and can play. So congrats to him you know, for, for making that return and, and getting back and getting healthy. And, and uh, I think, I think he gets a, a welcome, you know, I think he gets a cheer when he comes out and, um, Obviously, if he's in the eleven, he'll he'll get a cheer. But I think that's about it. You know, he'll get he'll be recognized. But beyond that, you know, if he scores or anything, I don't think anyone's going to be you know rooting for him at that point. But yeah, I I think he I think United fans I I think are going to be cordial at least you know welcoming for for these guys who have left you know the first time they come back. Except for Santi. Um, except for Santi, most likely. You know, and that's that's and, not uh, me trying and, to be and, a
2: dick. That's not me trying to be a dick. I just i i legit think that we, the fan base, hates Santi now. Everybody else, even Ben coming back from El pa- or with El Paso, I I think, I I, I don't think he gets booze like Santi would. He might still get some booze because it's El Paso, but I I think the way Santi left and then, uh, the team that he went to at the time that he went to them was just like the perfect storm of hatred from a fan base.
0: Yeah. I think Santi definitely rubs the folks the wrong way, but uh, you know, we, we don't want to dwell too much on that. We will see Phoenix later on in the season. So when we get to that, we'll give uh, all the Santi hate the time it deserves. So, um, you know, Loudoun United, I mean, watching the highlights, watching the clips, watching what I have, uh Mustafa looks dangerous. He looks, he's a pacey guy plays out on the wing. And I think he might be able to give us a little bit of a, a little bit of trouble. Um, but yeah, they just, they, like you said, they don't seem to be like a hundred percent all on the same page. They don't have like a proven goal scorer yet. Um, they don't have guys who are necessarily, you know, threatening, you know, every time that they touch the ball. And I don't think that changes this weekend against us.
2: Agreed agreed are we ready for predictions
0: I think we are
2: i think so too uh, it's it's getting a little later and, and we we already have gone on a little bit but uh gone along a little bit but i am super excited for this match i think this could be the this year's equivalent to the five one uh real monarchs match from year one um and and i I really really just to see fans in the stadium again. I, I we just saw it 2 weeks ago, but man, I I didn't get enough of it. So so I'm pumped up for it. I I can't wait. I'm not going to go first though. I'm going to let Earl go first cuz he's he's Nostradamus over here and uh I'm I'm going to let him go first so I can copy him.
1: I think we go 3-1 again. I think Sergio scores. I think Dev scores. And once again, that random person that comes off the bench could be a Brucey. Um, I'm not making any guarantees, so Jacob can't hold me to this one. Um, but I do think 3-1 with guaranteed goals from Dev and
2: Sergio. He's out here guaranteeing now, Seth. Uh, <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: what do you think, Seth?
0: He he's calling his shot. That's what he's doing. He is, yes, yes. you know, he's pointing to the to the right field wall. That's what he's doing over there. And, you know, Earl had Earl had a good <laughs> run last week, but uh, I don't think it's going to happen again. So, you know, when you and I talked, Jacob, when you and I talked to to Adam last week, um, we obviously talked to him prior to the to the Red Bulls match, um, and they don't have the Miami FC match uh, under their belt at that point. And when we talked to him, you know, I, I kind of said, you know, two, one, three, one, because I just I don't trust our back line en- enough to not keep a clean sheet. And the the biggest part of that is that we still have a tendency to just switch off at times. You know, we we kind of saw it, you know, we saw it at the beginning of the Colorado match, we saw it the match prior. And as much as I would like to believe that that's been taken care of, it just hasn't been. We just, we haven't quite figured that out yet. And because of that, it's not going to be a clean sheet, but I, I say we give up one. And I think I've solidified my my position. That it's going to be two, one. And I think they get one, you know, it, it'll either be like right around half or towards the end of the match to, to pull one back.
2: Well, i I can't remember exactly what I said to Adam, but I'm I'm relatively sure that I said last week that I can't predict a clean sheet until we get a clean sheet, and I'm throwing that out the window. I'm no longer thinking that. Uh, I think this is it. I think I think we get the goose egg. I think we get the shutout, the clean sheet. Uh, I think the defense steps up, uh, does their job for ninety plus minutes. And we don't give up a goal. Now, when you you ask me how many goals we get, I'm not as confident in my prediction. I'm confident we will score a goal or two. But I'm just not sure exactly how it's going to play out. But for the sake of consistency, and for the sake, sake of optimism, and for the sake of the fact that I said that it could be reminiscent of the Real Monarchs game from April 13th of 2019. And the only reason why I know that is because that's the day my son was born. That was a four goal win. So I'm going to go another four goal win. Four nil, New Mexico United. Brown gets two. Moreno gets one. Rivas gets one. And, after that, you all of a sudden have three three players with three goals each, uh, and yeah, that's what I'm going with. I, I think when you look at the defense, just to to kind of build off that a little bit, you look at the defense and and you have one play from the last match that that killed him. You looked at that the the match before that. You have coming out of halftime, one play basically, that they give a goal. Everything other, other than that, they were sound. You look the match before that, when it comes to El Paso, and it was at the death, they get one goal off of two perfectly placed balls. And in the match before that, they score on a redirected shot. So I think if you just limit pressure throughout the match and don't give them any little chance like that. I think, I think we're going to be fine. I I think we get the clean sheet. I don't think Loudon's as big of a threat as, as even Colorado Springs is because they don't have a Haji Berry type up top that can destroy us like that. Um, I, I like Sammy, but I don't see him making that kind of run, um, that Haji did to beat us. And, and so, yeah, I think we finally get the clean sheet. Um, And then I think we we get four there. Yeah, Sam is definitely
0: not the pacey type that Berry is.
2: So, yeah, that's what I think.
1: It will be interesting, though, to see how they play, how Loudon plays, though, because elevation. Mm -hmm. I mean, the announcers made the comment last game um, where two teams are playing above mile high, um, obviously with us being at 5,300, and Colorado Springs being at 6,000 or something like that. Uh, Loudon is coming from Lees, whatever, Leesburg, Tennessee yeah. or Virginia, where they're at like 347 yeah. feet above sea level. So they're literally climbing Mount Everest to come play 90 minutes.
0: Yeah, yeah it's- I think, honestly, I think I'd rather see them come here and try to play in the elevation than us go try to play in humidity.
2: Mm-hmm. Which we will see later on as we travel travel to Hartford and Lou City.
0: Uh, Hartford, I wouldn't worry about humidity too much. Lou City, yes. And actually, I take that um, back.
2: Hartford's here. Um, yeah, Hartford's here. Charleston, but, right? No, Charleston's here too. No, yeah, you're right. We play too. three of the Eastern Conference teams here. So it's just Lou City that that we travel back east for. And, um, yeah, it's, it's going to be – that just makes me feel so much better about my pick Earl that you brought up that. Cause I, I think about that sometimes, but I did not think about it in this particular instance. And, and it could be huge. Uh, You know, Sammy might be used to it a little bit from last year, but he, he really didn't get any run in uh, probably didn't practice much either. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm feeling great about my prediction now after that, because as somebody who's lived in it, um, his whole life, and it still sucks. I couldn't imagine coming from sea level, basically, to come up into this stuff and try to breathe this thin air.
0: Yeah, it's always going to be tough. Uh, anytime you have a club that's not used to it, I think we saw some of that you know, in 2019 um, with some of the clubs that do, that did play at lower altitudes come up and, and kind of struggle with it. Uh, I think Cardiff kind of struggled with it a little bit too uh, when they were here. Yeah. Because, uh, again, not something that they're used to. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens Saturday night, 7.30 p.m. kickoff uh, out of the lab. Hopefully, uh, again, I believe all three of us are going to be there in person. And uh, hopefully if you're here in the chat or you're listening to us live uh, on the podcast, Hopefully you guys are there as well. We can't wait to see all of you back at the lab again. If you see us at the stadium, if you see us walking around, come up and say hi to us. Um, tell us yours on the pod. Um, we'd love to see you guys get your thoughts uh, on the game uh, as it goes on. So uh, I think that's going to just about do it for us this week. You got our predictions, you got our recap and our preview. Uh, Jacob, get us out of here. Yeah,
2: guys. So. It's, it's always a pleasure to hop on and talk to you even when Earl's internet sucks. Uh, and I'm going that it's Earl's cause I don't know whose it is, but, uh, I want to blame him because I can. And, uh, he's pointing a giant stubby finger at me, but I'm going to ignore it. It, it's always a pleasure guys. I, I love having, uh, people pop up in the chat. So we had Aaron reader back after missing last week. We had Donnie come in, uh, for a few words there, um, it's great that we're getting some feedback and, and we're getting some people involved. And, and I, and I think this YouTube move has been good for us and, and being consistent with the time. So I, I don't even have to tell you next week to at nine thirty we will have a recap of the four nothing United win over Loudoun uh, and a preview of the real Monarchs match uh, that will be coming up on Friday, June 4th. So, Tune in for that. I hope that we can have a few more people in here, and, and we get some more people listening. and And guys, it's just and by guys I mean Seth and Earl. Um, I love having you guys on here. I love I love what we're doing here. It's it's great. It's great that we can be in person again. Um, at the matches as we will be Saturday, uh, I'll be setting up the field again. Um, so I might be a little tired when we talk after the match, but, uh, I will be there and, and get to experience that again and, and then hopefully get done a little bit earlier than last time. So we can have some time to, to chat and hang out, uh, before the match there. And, uh, yeah, I just. Hey, we're four games in, man. I, I it sucks because the off season, like like look at the preseason. The preseason like crawled by, and then the first four matches of the regular season have just gone by in a flash. So it's like before we know it, it's going to be October twentieth, and we're going to be with two matches left, and and we're going to be sad again because we've got a long off season coming up. But we're not there yet. So Earl congratulations to you on your predictions last week and uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens this week, but check us out on social media, all that jazz. I'm not even going to bore you with it. It's late. And uh, we, we went a little too long, so I'll just finish it with uh, until next time, guys.
0: Somos news. You've been listening to Somos, news, your source for the latest news and notes on New Mexico United and weekly discussions from around the world of sports. Each episode is recorded live on Tuesday nights on our YouTube channel and goes live on podcast platforms around the world later in the week. Our show is written and produced by Seth Bedoff, Jacob Terrell, and Earl Nieto and is edited by Seth. All episodes are recorded and edited using Zencaster and Audacity.